You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to New York. This is, is the Devil's Devil State, State of Mind podcast, podcast, brought to you brought by to you the Hockey, Hockey Podcast, podcast Network. Network. Now here's now your here's host, host, Neil Villapiano! Devils fans, it is once again your boy Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast, right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Thank you guys, as always, for taking some time out of your day. To check these episodes out. I really, really do appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, we have so much to talk about in this episode. A lot has happened since the last episode. There is a lot of good. There's also some not so good. Uh, there might be a rant that could be in this episode. There may not be a rant in this episode. It all just depends on how I feel as I'm recording this episode and as you guys are listening to it but we have a couple of games to recap the two games in florida first against the panthers and then the tampa bay lightning we're going to do another update with the utica comets because ladies and gentlemen they've made history and we got to talk about it and also there was a leak of something that really irritates me that i really hope is not true so as you can see we have a lot to get to in this episode so let's not waste any more time and get rolling. So we're going to start with recapping the Devils game back on Thursday against the Florida Panthers. So the Devils were coming in knowing what they had done a couple weeks ago, beating the Panthers in New Jersey on ESPN, granted it was ESPN Plus, but still uh, by the score of 7-3, to three, they beat down the Florida Panthers at the time, the top team in the NHL. And... You know, the Devils made a big statement in that game. 
And you knew that most likely considering number one, that the Panthers were playing at home and number two, just the fact that, you know, it wasn't going to be the same uh, type of game that the Panthers were going to try to come out and have a much better response. The first thing that you noticed is that basically the Panthers decided to go back to, um, to, to Spencer Knight in this game after, um, after Sergey Bobrovsky had played the last couple of games. And I think it was a good decision for Florida to put Spencer Knight back in to regain that confidence, especially against the team that hung up seven goals on him. So I think that that's definitely, um, that's definitely a, a really good, a, a really good decision by Florida when they decide to do that. Uh, we did have three major milestones with the Devils going into this game. Number one, Damon Severson was playing in his 500th National Hockey League game, all 500, and now obviously it's more than 500, have been with the New Jersey Devils. And it's crazy. He's 27 years of age, and he's been he's now the longest tenure Devil with Zajac retiring, Andy Green no longer on the team. Uh, you know, some other guys have come and gone, and now he's the longest tenured Devil, which I don't think a couple of years ago you would have thought that he would be uh, the longest tenured guy on this team, but he is, and he's now played a, in now over 500 games. So congratulations to Damon, Damon Severson. That is one hell of an accomplishment, and we'll see if he can get to uh, 1,000 games. Uh, again, it would be another tremendous accomplishment. It's going to take a long time, but if Severson can stay as healthy and as for, you know, if you really want to say it relatively uh, consistent, uh, whether that's with the Devils or, you know, just the NHL in general, um, he could give himself a pretty good opportunity to do so. The next milestone that we had is that Michael McLeod was playing in his 100th career National Hockey League game. So that was pretty remarkable as well, considering the fact, you know, I go back to when the Devils drafted Michael McLeod and the expectation that he had and how long it really took him just to get his first NHL goal and the criticism that, that I gave, as well as many Devils fans gave the organization for drafting him when it just seemed like he could never find a place. Last year, he finally found a role along with Nate Bastion and Miles Wood on that energy line. And this year, he's taking a much bigger role, a little bit more of a leadership role since he's relatively one of the older young players that we have on this team. And for him now to have played in well, you know, over 100 games, considering, again, that we played Tampa as well in this episode— it's it's pretty remarkable. It really is. Uh, and again, it's another tremendous accomplishment for somebody to get to 100 and even also to get to 500 career games playing as a professional hockey player in the in the in the greatest hockey league in the world is certainly a tremendous accomplishment, regardless of the player. It is a tremendous accomplishment and you have to give credit where credit is due. So right off the bat, congratulations to both Damon Severson, who get who played in his 500 NHL game against Florida um, against the you know against the Florida Panthers and then Michael McLeod playing in his 100th career NHL game in that game against the Panthers. The third, the third uh, milestone that we had was that Fabian Zetterlin, who you guys know I've talked about numerous times on the podcast last year, even this year, and how much I love his energy, his physicality. He got called up and made his NHL debut in that game against the Florida Panthers. And going into it, Zetterlin had played uh, 10 games down in Utica for the Utica Comets, scoring three goals, six assists for nine points. And what I really loved uh, about Zetterlin after even just the first practice that he had, he comes in and he says, I hope 
to take at the time Utica was 10-0-0 to start the year. He said, I'm looking forward to taking this 10-0-0 record and confidence and add it to this Devils team. That's a guy that he's been, you know, a professional for a while now and has a lot of confidence, hasn't made his NHL debut yet, but is showing the confidence that he believes in himself. Uh, Lindy Ruff has said a lot of good things about him. And so they were giving him the opportunity. But the main reason that they gave him the opportunity was because we learned a few days ago as well that forward Tice Thompson was put on IR and will get shoulder surgery and he will be out for the next several months. There's a pretty good chance that he will also, along with Miles Wood, probably miss the rest of the 2021-22 season. Corey Masizek of The Athletic was the first one to report this. And I found out that the injury came in the win against the Islanders a week and change ago. So that was kind of a, a surprise because I really don't remember when Tyce Thompson got hurt um, in the game. I'd, I'd probably have to go back and find the highlights if I can. Uh, but obviously for a young guy that was starting to make some contributions on that fourth line, try to be part of that energy line and finding a role, and then to get hurt and be out long-term, is obviously a gut-wrenching thing for him. So I, I send my best wishes to Tyce Thompson and hopes he recovers sooner rather than later. But with one young guy going down, another young guy gets an opportunity to play in the NHL. And this time it happened to be Fabian Zetterlin. So we've had several NHL debuts, just like we did last year. And Fabian Zetterlin is just the latest to get an opportunity to play in his first NHL game. From the Florida Panthers side, the biggest news was obviously the fact that they were going to be without, and they're still going to be without, their main guy, Alexander Barkov, who was out week to week with a knee injury that he suffered in their previous game prior to playing the Devils when they were at home against the New York Islanders. Um, so he's still going to be out week to week. I did get confirmation that he won't need surgery for that. So for anybody who has him on fantasy or is even a Panthers fan, Obviously, you feel better about that, but he's going to be out week to week, and he did not play in this game against the Devils. So you go to the first period, right? And the Devils came out like a house on fire. I'm used to the Devils, for the most part, coming out and playing pretty strong, but this was, without a doubt, the strongest 19 minutes and 54 seconds that the Devils have played all season long. And the reason that I said 19-54, you'll understand in just a few short moments why I said that. Um, the Devils peppered Spencer Knight with a lot of shots. In total, 22 shots on goal in the first period, which is absolutely insane. I could not believe it at the end when I saw just how many shots on goal we really had. But Spencer Knight, he came to play. I think in other games, even, even in that game uh, that the Devils played the Panthers a few weeks ago, the Devils would have scored a couple of more times with the 22 shots on goal. Because it wasn't that they were just taking shots. They were taking really good point-blank shots. Dawson Mercer had one or two opportunities in the slot where he could have buried it. And Spencer Knight just stood on his head and made saves to really keep this game scoreless at the time. But the Devils would finally get rewarded for their aggressiveness and getting shots on goal with 6.23 to go in the period where Jimmy VC had the puck in the corner uh, uh, to the left of Spencer Knight. Uh, he was pinned a little bit by a, def a defender, and he saw that Dougie Hamilton was coming up in the play, so he used his backhand to dump it over to Dougie Hamilton. He got the puck, waited, waited half a second, took a wrist shot, and it deflected off of the left shoder of Spencer Knight and into the back of the net top shelf, and the Devils gained the one nothing lead. And that was obviously a big goal because, again, 
You're showing the confidence. You're finally getting rewarded for putting a lot of shots on the goaltender and you're grabbing the early lead, which is obviously important. For Dougie Hamilton, that was his fifth goal of the season. Jimmy Vesey getting just his second assist of the year. And P.K. Subban, who has been racking up the assists in a lot of these games, got his seventh of the year. And most importantly, the Devils have the one nothing lead. And they kept coming on. They created a couple of more opportunities. But the Panthers, you could see, were slowly but surely getting back in the game and were getting some chances going the other way. And then you get to the final 10 seconds of the period. The Devils are making, a, you know, I would say like half a change, half a line change, basically. Panthers are coming down the left side. It's Carter for Hagee, to be exact, comes down the left side from his own blue line. And you can see the Devils are kind of backing off him, not really being aggressive, allowing him to take a wrist shot from that far out. He took a wrist shot that went far side on Blackwood, passed his glove off the far post and in. And the Panthers tied the game up with 6.4 to go in the period. And to be honest with you, that was definitely a goal that I think Blackwood should have had. But I also would argue that the Devils defense just was not aggressive enough. That was the one mistake in that period for the Devils in what was basically uh, the most perfect offensive period I've ever seen this team have when it comes to creating chances and putting the puck on net. Um, but obviously it was a backbreaking goal. It really was because I was sitting there saying, you can't give up a goal with that little time left going into the next period because now the Panthers have the momentum going into the next 20 minutes because not only are the Devils frustrated that they only scored once on 22 shots in one period, but they're not even winning the game. The game is tied. They gave up a soft goal at the end. Uh, so for Verhage, that was his fifth goal of the year, and Weger got the only assist on that one. That was his eighth of the season. And like I mentioned before, 22 shots on goal uh, after the first 20 minutes of action. You go to the second period, and I felt confident. I said, look, Devils just got to shake off that that uh, that late goal. I just got to continue to be as aggressive as they were in the second period, uh, as they were in the first period. Everything that went right for the Devils in the first period went completely wrong in the second period. And within the first eight and a half minutes of the period, the Panthers were up four to one. They had scored three times. The first goal was by uh, Luo Starinen. I hope I said that correctly. That was his goal was his sixth of the year. Jonathan Huberto got a goal. That was his sixth of the year. And Anthony Duclair, who continues to be the biggest bright spot uh, for this very talented Panthers team, got a goal, and that was his ninth of the year. And Blackwood was pulled after it became four to one. The Panthers just came out like a house on fire. They ended up putting up 20 shots on goal in that in that second period. So I looked at it and said, that should have been the case for the Devils in the first period. 22 shots on goal. They should have had two, three, four goals. But it's hockey. These things happen. Sometimes you just catch a goalie on a really good night. And Spencer Knight was just phenomenal the entire game, even giving up that goal. After he did that, he was still 100% on his game. So that was really the frustrating thing with that. So after 20 minutes of play, it's four to one. And to be honest with you, I pretty much knew the Devils were not going to come back. I was hoping that they'd make some sort of a, you know, they put up a fight. They'd, um, you know, maybe get a goal or even two, make it look closer than it actually was. Um, they did have a couple of other really good chances in that third period, but again, Spencer Knight just could not uh, relinquish. He, he just did not give up. He made save after save. Um, nobody ended up scoring in that period, and the Devils ended up losing this game by the score of 4-1. to one. Uh, The Devils finished with 45 shots on goal, 
which is tremendous. But unfortunately, they only had one goal to show for it and were shut out in both the second and third periods. And with the loss, the Devils dropped to 7-5-3 and three on the year and Florida improved to 12-2-3 and three on the year. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe they have still yet to lose a game at home. So obviously they have made um, Sunrise definitely a tough place to play earlier this year, despite the fact that even in the game against the Devils, there was very few fans at that game. And I, and it just proves that really it doesn't matter how good the Panthers can get. They, they just really struggle to have uh, a consistent uh, attendance uh, support every single year. And I can't really speak for uh, the Florida Panthers, and I'm not going to, but it is pretty difficult to see when it, even when they're arguably one of the top two teams in the NHL, it still doesn't feel like people in that area care. And I think it's tough when you play at Sunrise, which is pretty far away from the next major city, which is Miami. And I often wonder if the Panthers had just moved and played the same arena as the Miami Heat playing. I wonder if uh, they would get a bigger following. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they wouldn't. I, I, I'm not sure, but that was just the case. But the bottom line is the Devils dropped this one four to one. Frustrating loss. Uh, not really mad about it, just more disappointed. Uh, like I said, the Panthers just showed how talented they are. They wanted to get revenge for losing seven to three the last time we played them, uh, and they got their revenge. So both teams, I, I believe that's it. We're not going to be playing the Panthers again this year. Uh, I could be wrong about that. We'll probably play them again one more time. But uh, no, the season series has been pretty even. Both teams, uh, when they've won, they've scored four or more goals. So that just kind of that just kind of proves what type of games you're going to get when you see these two teams play. But hats off to the to uh, Spencer Knight, he played a hell of a game. It was the biggest reason the Devils did not find a way to score, uh, you know, more than one goal. Uh, and then, the, you know, just the goals in quick succession in that second period was just too much for the Devils to handle. So now we'll go over to the other game that happened this week. This week, Well, it happened on this weekend. It happened on Saturday. Uh, the Devils traveled down to Tampa to take on the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. And you knew going into it that the Devils were not coming in with the greatest amount of confidence. They were disappointed with the way that they played against Florida, and they were coming in also on a three-game losing streak. So this was probably, this was, I mean, again, it's still relatively early in the season, but this was probably the lowest point for the Devils. Um, you know, speaking to a lot of fans, you kind of had the feeling that this was kind of like, here we go again, so to speak, that um, the Devils were just going to play mediocre to below mediocre hockey and uh, struggled to, to compete against really good teams like Florida, like Tampa. Um, but at the end of the day, I still always am going to say to myself, look, it's hockey. It's a magical, unpredictable sport. Any team can be beat on any given night. And that was kind of my attitude going into it. I did. I was on the hockey podcast network, YouTube channel, which you guys should subscribe um, and uh, hit the notification bell so you don't miss any new live watch-alongs that we do. Uh, I was live for that game on Saturday. So, I, And I had a really good following. A lot of people showed up, especially in that third period. And I just want to say thank you to everybody who jumped on. It means the world to me. You guys are awesome. And I love doing these live watch-alongs. I'm going to be doing a lot more as season progresses. But like I said, the Devils were coming in looking to try to end a three-game losing streak while the Tampa Bay Lightning were coming in on a nine-game point streak. So they had gotten at least a point in each of their last nine games. They were also on a six-game point streak at home. So they, the Lightning were coming in highest of highs, and the Devils were coming in lowest of lows. And sometimes in those type of situations, 
things happen that you would not normally expect to happen when these when two teams like these face off against one another. The biggest thing for the Devils was that they decided to finally put Alexander Holtz back in the lineup after he had benched, had been benched in the previous two games against the Rangers and then the Florida Panthers. Um, I know a lot of people were saying, what was the point of bringing him up? If you're going to keep benching him a lot, you might as well send him back down to Utica uh, so he could get more playing time. But Alexander Holtz, uh, obviously, he's gotten off to somewhat of a slow start. Hasn't scored his first goal yet. He's gotten himself a point, has had some opportunities here and there. Uh, but he's getting off to a slow start, which is okay. I understand that we think that he should have the same impact that a guy like Dawson Mercer's had in his rookie year. But not every not every rookie is going to have a major impact right away. Has Fabian Zetterlin made a major impact since he got in since he got up to New Jersey? No, and that's not knocking Zetterlin. I'm just trying to make a point. Um, but Holtz would be coming into the lineup with Boquist being out. Um, so obviously I was looking forward to seeing Holtz getting back in the lineup, trying to, you know, after watching and trying to learn a little bit from, from the stands to try to come in and create some opportunities and help us ultimately try to win this game. This was the first time since the 2018, 2019 season that the Devils were in Tampa Bay. And even then they played them in 2018. So it is pushing, it was pushing, um, three years since the last time the Devils were in Tampa taking on the Lightning. And obviously they hadn't even won two of their cups. So a lot has changed since the last time the Devils faced off against Tampa Bay Lightning. But you knew this was going to be tough. I like the fact that Lindy Ruff went right back to Mackenzie Blackwood, wanted to give him a chance to shake off that tough game and come back against a very, uh, an even more talented Tampa Bay Lightning team and try to bounce back and um, redeem himself. And things really just didn't get off to a good start in this game. I would say that the Devils didn't get off to a bad start. I just feel like that they played, first of all, I think they were they were in their heads a little bit, you know, mentally thinking that they didn't feel confident they could win this game. Um, and they also looked a little bit tired, and I'm not sure exactly why that would be the case, but they did. And, and Tampa didn't really come out like they were determined to blow the Devils out. Um, but... There were times where it looked like Tampa was trying to make this an early night for the Devils. Like they were trying to, they were trying to, you know, score a couple of goals and really put this one out of reach before the game even really gets going. Uh, and Tampa would strike first, 5:49 into the game. Jan Ruda, defenseman number 44 for the Tampa Lightning, he got the puck, toe dragged it a little bit, waited waited another second, and it took a wrist shot through two screens from two different Devils players, and it beat. Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood glove side. He may have gotten a piece of it. It kind of looked like on the replay that he did, but nonetheless, it hit off of the glove and into the back of the net. And Tampa, not surprisingly, grabbed the one nothing lead. And for uh, Ruda, that was just his second goal of the year. And then things kind of stayed the same after that for the next handful of minutes. And again, you're kind of feeling like, well, the Devils don't really look like they're in this game. They, they don't look confident. They look like that they kind of are just packing it in before this game even gets going. But then things started to turn around a little bit at the six-minute mark, and the Devils were in the offensive zone. Alexander Holtz had the puck uh, from the corner, from the left side, from Vasilevsky's le uh, right side, but on your screen it was from the left side. He was in the corner, and he made a quick pass to Sharon Govich, who was standing right near where the left face-off circle is. And without hesitation, Sharon Govich got that pass took a one-time shot, and it went top shelf over the right shoulder of Vasilevsky and into the back of the net, and the Devils were able to tie the game. And Sharon Govich finally taking 10-plus games, getting off to a very slow start, finally got on the scoreboard, getting his first goal 
of the year. And that was that was definitely a long time coming. And you could see how pumped he was to score because not only was this his first goal of the year, but it tied the game up at one. For Sharon Govich, obviously, that was his first goal of the season. Alexander Holtz getting just his second point and his second assist of the season on that goal. So that was obviously big. And you could see the Devils got a little bit more confidence. That, okay, you know, we could do this. We know we could score on Vasilevsky. Let's, let's try to get the next one. But the Devils had taken several penalties throughout that period. And then on the third penalty of the period for the Devils, the Lightning were able to regain the lead on the power play as former Devil. Pat Maroon knocked the puck in on a rebound uh, from a shot by Sergachev. Uh, they said it kind of deflected off of uh, Ross Colton, who is a New Jersey native um, himself. Uh, but, it, but nonetheless, uh, Pat Maroon was standing there. Not the greatest job defensively to, to box him out. Um, and then he was able to just kind of turn around with his backhand and knock it in. Blackwood just couldn't get over there in time. And the Lightning scored on the power play to regain the lead, making it 2-1. to one. And for Pat Maroon, that was his third goal of the year. Russ Colton getting his second assist and Mikhail Sergachev getting his fifth assist. And that's where things stood after the first 20 minutes. So I didn't really feel like the Devils were fully into the game, even though at that point it's it's two to one. And you're but you're still down by a goal. Uh, you're still down by the same mark you were when it was one nothing. Um, so I, I looked at it and I said, Devils just got to find a way to get that energy going and, uh, you know, Look at that first period they had against Florida and try to take that into the next two periods here so that you give yourself an opportunity to get back in this game and find a way to maybe sneak out with a victory. Uh, the second period, I felt like the Devils improved a little bit offensively, but again, I, the Lightning were just kind of dominating. Uh, they had a lot of shots. They had a lot of opportunities. And defensively, they just weren't allowing the Devils to do much. And Tampa would score the only goal of that period just six minutes and 17 seconds into it when Victor Hedman got a pass from, um, I'm going to say this name wrong, but I'm going to try my best, Kachuk, K-A-T-C-H-O-U-K, Kachuk, or Kachuk, um, I, I'm, I'm trying my best here, Kachuk. Uh, that's where I'm going to go with Kachuk. He got a pass from Kachuk, and Hedman was all alone on the left side and just skated up just a couple seconds, waited out Blackwood, took a wrist shot that it looked like it first went top shot, but it went just under the right arm of Blackwood and into the back of the net. And the Lightning were able to double their lead, making it three to one. Hedman getting his third goal of the year. Uh, Kachuk getting his second assist of the year. And Ruda, who had the first goal of the game, got his second point of the night, getting an assist on that one. That was his third of the year. So after 40 minutes of play, it's three to one. And even you could tell when I was doing the live watch along that I didn't really feel confident at all. The devils were going to, you know, fight in this game. It's just like, okay, we're probably going to give up another goal and maybe even lose four to one, you know, the same, you know, again, losing four to one again uh, in back-to-back games. And we're going to go to a four game losing streak. And that was kind of my, my attitude. And I was, but in the back of my mind, I was just hoping that the devils would have some fights and really try to make this the game. Oh my, the third period. I've never seen this Devils team ever play a third period like they did in this one. But they came out like a completely different team than we had seen through 40 minutes. And Dawson Mercer got the party started where he's coming down the right side, takes a long run to the outside. He took like a long turn, caught Vasilevsky out of, out of the crease, out of position, and then Mercer crashed the net, went to his backhand, was able to just tuck it in 
past Vasilevsky's left skate before he could get over there, and it squeezed into the net, and the Devils were able to cut the deficit in half to one, making it three to two, just a minute 12 into the period. Mercer's goal was his sixth of the year. This kid continuing to show why he's one of the top candidates to potentially win rookie of the year. He has been absolutely on fire and consistent, which is something that we have been lacking a lot. Sharon Govich got his second point of the game, getting an assist on that one. That was his fourth of the year. And Jonas Siegenthaler getting his third assist of the, of the year as well on that goal. But you're looking at it. A minute 12 has gone by, and now it's 3-2, to two, and you're going, okay, we got a hockey game now. The Devils are in this game. Now it's about can we find a way to get the next goal. But before that, about three and a half minutes later, um, Joseph and Killorn for the for the Lightning have a two-on-none. And I'm sitting there like, oh, my God, we're, we're going to give up a, a two-on-none goal, and we're going to go down four to two. And Killorn gets the puck, passes over to Joseph. Joseph gives it back to Killorn on a one-time shot, and Mackenzie Blackwood robs Killorn blind with a great glove save as he was sprawling down to deny Killorn and the Devils were able to at least stay by only being down one goal as he, as uh, Blackwood kept it at three to two. And I had said, and you could go back and watch the replay of the live watch on. I said, if the Devils come back and win this game, go back to this save. And you're going to say that was the one that won the Devils this game. And the Devils responded to that so well because just 90 seconds later, a minute and a half later, P.K. Subban is behind the net on the left side, on the left of Mackenzie Blackwood, and he makes a long pass beyond both blue lines to a streaking Jimmy Vesey who stayed on side, and he's all alone on a breakaway. He lifted his stick to make it look like he was going to go top shelf um, forehand, but then he made a nice little move from his forehand to his backhand and went top shelf, beating Vasilevsky, and the Devils have tied the game up at three. All of a sudden, just 5.39, just about five and a half minutes into the period, the Devils have come back from down three to one to tie the game up at three. A beautiful goal by Jimmy Vesey, but an even more beautiful pass from P.K. Subban. And you guys know I've been criticizing Subban all year long, but that type of pass was absolutely perfect. It was beautiful. I couldn't believe how perfect it was. And VC just was able to finish it off. It was just an all-around great play. And the Devils tied the game up at three. VC getting his fourth goal of the year. Subban getting his eighth assist of the season. And Jonas Siegenthal with his second point of the game, second assist of the game, getting his fourth of the year. Then about five minutes go by. And then just, just before the 10-minute mark, of the period, Jess Brett's coming in basically by himself, uh, weaves his way through one or two defenders, goes to the outside, takes a solid wrist shot that Vasilevsky had to make a, a good save to get. But Brack got it right back in the corner and passed it to a wide open Sharon Govich in almost the exact same spot that he was in when he scored the first goal. And he took a shot that went under just under the right leg pad of Vasilevsky and into the net. And the Devils in 10 minutes. Go from being down four, going being down three to one to all of a sudden, it's now four to three Devils. And I couldn't believe it. And Sharon Govich, who now it just seems like when it rains, it pours. He's getting now goal after goal after goal. He got his first one, finally got the monkey off his back. 
He's got himself his second of the game. This was unbelievable. And you should go back and watch the replay of the live watch along. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't, but I didn't know what I was watching. I was stunned. I was absolutely stunned. And Sharon Govich with his second goal of the game, second of the year. Jesper Bratt got his eighth assist of the year. And Nico Heischer got the secondary assist, got his eighth of the year. So at this point, you're sitting there going, holy moly. But at the same time, it's 10 minutes. You're up by a goal and you're facing the Tampa Bay Lightning. A lot of hockey left to play. 30 seconds later, Braden Point has a step on the Devils' defense, and Ryan Graves, just trying to do something, throws his stick and arm under the legs, under the skates of Braden Point, knocks him down. Point was actually able to get a shot on goal, but but um, Braden Point went hard into the boards, landed on his left side. He was slow to get up. He would get up, uh, but the refs decided to call a penalty shot, which I honestly agreed with. I said, yeah, it's a penalty shot, and that's that is so frustrating. But the refs actually ended up reviewing the play prior to uh, giving Braden Point the uh, penalty shot because they want to see if the puck had crossed the, crossed the line um, anyway. And you saw from the replays, there was just no evidence that the puck ever crossed the line. So they said no goal, but they awarded Braden Point a shot, a penalty shot. And I honestly did think that he was going to score. I was like, well, you know, this is kind of where Tampa says, all right, enough screwing around. We got to, you know, we, we got to get back to, you know, scoring here and, and winning this game. But point comes down, comes in with a lot of speed, slows down a little bit. He goes to the right side, trying to wait out Blackwood. He's got him down. He takes the shot and it hits the post. It hits the post. And I said on the live watch long, I said, the hockey gods just even it out because earlier in the game, Alexander Holtz from a face-off circle took a shot that beat Vasilevsky, but it hit the post. And then Michael McLeod came down on a two-on-one, had all the time in the world. He beat Vasilevsky top shelf, but it also rang off the pipe and didn't go in. And so now the Lightning got a bad break where the puck hit off the post. But when, if you go back to the replay, it actually touched and hit the shoulder of Mackenzie Blackwood, the left shoulder, and then hit the post. So Mackenzie Blackwood actually made a big-time save there to deny Braden Point and to keep the Devils in the lead at 4-3 to three with 9.54 to go in the game. And the Lightning just continued to push after that, and it felt like forever that that clock was just going down, and the Devils were kind of playing penalty kill style like I've seen them do before, and I was just like, at some point, the Lightning are going to score. Uh, and then they ended up pulling Vasilevsky to Lightning did. And I'm like, there's no way we're going to score an empty net goal. I know we've done it a, a couple times this year, but I, I just can't see it now. Um, but with about 90 seconds to go in the game, Ryan Graves fires the puck down to the empty net, goes uh, wide right. And I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be an icing. But Tomas Tatar got a step on the defenseman. He got the puck in his backhand, went top shelf, and it went into the net in an empty net goal. And the Devils, making it four unanswered goals, improved their lead to five to three. And even though people were saying, oh, it's over, we won, we won, there was still about, you know, a minute and change to go. And I said, let's wait this out, you know, because, you know, Tampa could score two goals very, very quickly. They're, they're that good. 
but the Devils locked it down defensively. Tatar's goal, by the way, that was his second goal of the year. Uh, Ryan Graves got the only assist. Uh, that was his sixth of the year. But the Devils defense locked it down and a couple of good block shots. Blackwood had to make one or two more saves. And the clock expired. And the New Jersey Devils, down 3-1 to one to start the third period, came all the way back and won 5-3 to three in regulation. They didn't even have to go to overtime to come back and win this game. And the Devils, with one of their most, if not their most impressive victory, comeback victory for sure, of this season, a statement victory against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. And it's such a big win, emotional win. It gives these guys confidence. And you look at the next game, which is going to be in a couple of days against the Minnesota Wild on Wednesday, which again, you know, Minnesota's tough, but the Devils can certainly play against them. It gives them confidence going into that. They got a couple of days to rest and recharge and get themselves going, but it's a big win. And for the Devils to win games like this with guys like Miles Wood and Jack Hughes out of the lineup, just shows you that this team is a lot deeper than I think a lot of people give us credit for. And these guys are stepping up, they're finding resilience, and they're coming through with big-time clutch moments. And Blackwood just continuing to get off to a very strong start this year, which he's going to need to help us and potentially maybe even go and help Team Canada in the Olympics if he does make the team. And I'm sure Hockey Canada watched that performance and said, that's pretty impressive, very, very impressive. With the win, the Devils now move to 8-5-3, and three, which actually in points ties them for fourth place in the Metropolitan Division. And if the season ended today, which I know, again, it's very early in the year, but if the season ended today, the Devils would actually be the second wildcard team. And in the league standings, they're the 15 team out of 32 teams. They're right there with everybody else. And if they could just keep it going while other guys get healthy and we get more reinforcements, by the time we get fully healthy, we're going to be that much more of a problem for other teams. This is just such a big victory. The Lightning end up, the Lightning with this loss fall to nine, four, and three. Their nine game point streak and their six game point streak at home both come to an end in that game. Like I mentioned before, the Devils next game will not be until Wednesday night at home when they take on Kirill the Thrill Kaprizov, Kevin Fiala, and the Minnesota Wild. So that'll be a very, very interesting matchup. But a big victory against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions coming from behind down 3-1 to one in the third to win the game 5-3. to three. The NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a depth deflection, however they like the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
So there's about three more things I wanted to quickly talk to you guys about after getting through those recaps. Uh, a couple of days ago, we actually learned from Jeff Merrick of Sportsnet, who has his own show. I think it's called the Jeff Merrick Show. I believe that's what it's called. It's on Sportsnet. He actually reported that the Montreal Canadiens and the New Jersey Devils are both rumored to be very much interested in an all-or-nothing type of docu-series. If you don't know what I'm talking about, All or Nothing is a series that Amazon does where they follow a professional team, whether it's been football or soccer, or now obviously hockey. They follow them throughout the year. You get a behind-the-scenes look. You get to know players on a more personal basis. They interview them throughout the year. That's kind of what they're doing uh, with that. They just did an all-or-nothing series on Amazon with the Toronto Maple Leafs, which I thought was absolutely outstanding. And I don't think they're necessarily saying that they're talking about being the next all-or-nothing team, but that the Devils and Canadians would, are both interested in doing something like that. And speaking about it from the Devils' perspective, I would absolutely love to do it. I know the NHL Network followed the Devils through training camp uh, during the 18, before the 18-19 season began. Uh, and that was obviously fun to see, you know, to, for the Devils to be on a national stage, for people to see them and, you know, to get to know those guys on a little bit more personal basis. I would absolutely love for the Devils to be the next team to do this all or nothing docuseries because you got to watch it to understand why I think it's absolutely awesome. And it would grow the sport of hockey. It would grow the sport in New Jersey. You get a lot of people throughout the world that watch it, that can watch it, that will get to know about the Devils and maybe we'll get some new fans. And look, we have some countries like Switzerland and Belarus that are big time Devils fans because of the players that we have on this team. And I think it would absolutely be beneficial. So I hope that uh, Tom Fitzgerald, who actually was the one that said to Merrick that he would like to, that he's very much interested in doing this. I hope the Devils push this envelope and get this done because I would absolutely love to see it. So what do you guys think? Do you guys think the Devils should be part of this all or nothing series or doing something like that? You know, let me know on Twitter at Devil State or on Instagram at Devil State of Mind. I think this was abs I think this would be absolutely 100% awesome to see. And I really hope the Devils do it. So now let me get this rant out of the way because I had to talk about it. it, it it's, it's one of the biggest things other than the Devils winning. It's the biggest thing that anybody's been talking about. On Friday, as we saw from Devil's Twitter, a lot of the fan pages, everything like that. It was revealed that on the Adidas website, which Adidas is now the official jersey partner of the NHL, it showed on the, on the Adidas website that they were planning on selling or that they were selling a Devil's Black alternate jersey, which is something that a lot of you guys have been begging for for several years now. So at that moment, you're like, oh, wow. And a lot of people actually had the opportunity to actually buy it. And we ended up learning later on that that was a mistake that Adidas didn't want to do that because they wanted, they obviously were supposed to wait till the devils revealed these jerseys before putting them on sale. Well, a bunch of people got them and several of them were shipped out before Adidas can do anything. So that was the first mistake by Adidas. So several people were able to get it and actually get a chance to look at it. Now over the past 24 hours, because I'm recording this on Sunday, we actually got pictures, leaked pictures. Holy crap. Does this Jersey look like absolute dog food? I mean, it's absolutely awful. Just look up Devil's Black Alternate Jersey on social media. You'll see it. I'm not kidding. It looks, if you go back to the Chicago Blackhawks um, Winter Classic Jersey when they were at Notre Dame, when they played the Boston Bruins, and also go look at the Islanders Black Alternate Jersey when they were playing in Brooklyn a few years back. It's the same damn thing. 
And you know what? The devil's logo isn't even in the middle. It's a cursive writing that just says the word Jersey. I'm so glad that Adidas decided to tell us what they were presenting. Yes, it is a Jersey. Well done. Well freaking done. There's barely any red in it. It's black and white. There's a lot of striping around the arms and the shoulders that looks like garbage. And I learned later on that they made this jersey to honor the Newark Bulldogs, who were the first ever professional, I think, first ever hockey team to ever play in New Jersey. Uh, and they played uh, in the Canadian American Hockey League for one season, which was a 1928-29 season. That is why they made this jersey. I understand honoring the past and all that, but this was just such a half-assed job of making a jersey. I hope to God that this is not what it is. We also got confirmation that most likely the Devils are going to reveal this jersey to the public sometime this week. So I have no idea between the time you're listening to this and the time it gets revealed when this is going to happen. But if this is what it is, if this is legitimately what it is, most people are not going to buy it because the right, the, the, the cursive writing just ain't it. There really is no like Devils logo at all, which is kind of annoying. There's barely any red and there's white in it. And I've seen thousands upon thousands of edits okay i've seen thousands upon thousands of edits of people making jersey designs of a devil's black alternate every single one that i've seen online is about 20 times better than this piece of garbage that i that i saw and i talked about it on the live watch long and i'm going to say it here again you guys wanted this black jersey you kept pushing the envelope saying that black would look good well guess what adidas and the devils found a way to completely fuck this up. And that is what's ridiculous. They fucked it up because they didn't try enough. And I've said it before, the devil's ownership, like every team has to put in money to get this jersey to be done. And depending on the amount of money you put in is depending on the amount of time and effort that Adidas decides to put into this. So that just goes to show you that the devil's ownership really didn't put a whole lot of money into this. And this is the result that we're getting in theory. Because again, it hasn't been revealed yet. I don't know. I will have it. I, I may have the same opinion. I may have a different opinion by the time it's revealed. But if this is what it is, I am very, very disappointed. And I hate saying it, but I told you guys. I told you guys that a black jersey, a black alternate, making it this way with Adidas was not going to work. It doesn't work. Most teams don't really do well with a black jersey. And this is the result that we're going to get. And I know a lot of you are saying, well, we have the green, red, and white, and we can't win in those. We're going to win looking like garbage on the ice with these jerseys, you think? Come on, man. This is ridiculous. So at the end of the day, I just hate this. I hate it. I don't like it at all. I don't see anything about it that I like. And maybe it changed my mind when I, once I see it on the ice. I don't know. But my first impression is bad. So Adidas screwed up by allowing people to buy this jersey and get it uh, before the Devils could even make an announcement and release it. Uh, they looked like they barely tried. Uh, they screwed up several times. It's just all overall bad job by Adidas and the Devils. So we'll see what happens. If indeed we're going to get a reveal this week, we will see what happens because uh, I don't want to be a laughing stock again. But if this is the jersey we're going to get, the Devils are going to get creamed very hard on social media. Would not be surprised at all. But I wanted to finish this episode on a high note, on a big high note, because the Utica Comets, who in the previous episode, I told you, they had moved their record to 11-0-0, which tied 
the American Hockey League record for most consecutive wins to start a season. Ladies and gentlemen, they have not only broken that record, but they are now working on creating the new record because on Friday night, they defeated the Charlotte Checkers 4-1 to to move to 12-0-0, which officially set the new AHL record for most consecutive wins to start a season. And then on Saturday, they defeated the Rochester Americans 5-3 to to move to lucky 13-0-0. So the Utica Comets cannot stop winning. They're 13-0-0 to start the freaking season. And again, I know it's the minor leagues, but still, this shows you how much of a great coach Kevin Dineen is, how great the coaching staff is down there, how good of a job the organization has done of developing these players. We have a lot of talent that is still yet to make the NHL. We have other guys that are going to become professionals relatively soon within the next two or three years. And getting off to a start like this is phenomenal. I can't believe that the Utica Comets are this freaking good. And they are selling out every game. I think the Devils have found a home for a very long time in the minor leagues. Utica fans have been absolutely phenomenal. I'm so happy to see them doing this well. And they're 13-0-0 to start the year. Their next game is also going to be on Wednesday at home when they once again take on the Rochester Americans as they'll look to continue their winning streak and move to 14-0-0. So congratulations to the Utica Comets who have now surpassed and are now setting a new American Hockey League record for most consecutive wins to start a season as they currently sit at an incredible 13-0-0.